The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives, whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical, or the paranormal. Our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able, and willing to guide us. My guest today is Dr. Lisa Thompson. Lisa is a best-selling author, speaker, galactic ambassador, and channeler, and intuitive transformational coach specializing in human design, parallel life regression, and sound healing. Hello, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Laura. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. I am so excited as well. When I think of you, Lisa, I think of somebody who is just really in tuned with the stars because I know the work that you do is very much in tune with the stars. So I was wondering first if you can tell us a bit about yourself and then we can just dive in deeper from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I have actually been an experiencer of UFO and extraterrestrial phenomena my entire life. Mm. So I grew up in a metaphysical, esoteric, spiritual household. So all of that kind of reality, I was born into it, open to it. My first conscious memory of being on a spacecraft was when I was 15 years old. And I got to have that experience validated by someone that was formerly very high government that knew about the different ET races that our government works with and knows about, which as a teenager was huge for me not having to go through my life thinking I'm crazy. Sure. <laughs> that experience though, it didn't really impact my life. Like it might have other people. I was pretty normal as a teenager and I really just wanted to fit in as best as I could. I was a science major. I got my PhD in evolutionary biology, marine biology, zoology. My science, though, it was so mainstream that my friends, my cohorts, they actually did think I was a little crazy with the whole extraterrestrial thing. And that I believe in things like Sasquatch, fairies, dragons, because they were so like physical, third dimensional reality thinking. And so at some point I had to leave academia because <laughs> it just wasn't fitting. <laughs> and I had a very winding journey of careers. 
So six years ago is when I finally actually started a spiritual business. And it was only two years ago when I actually came out of the proverbial closet (laughs) and was sharing about my galactic experiences and really tuning into that and allowing it to come through me in the channeling way. So you had that experience when you were 15. Correct. What happened? Yeah. So it was a nighttime experience. I don't know how I got onto the craft, but what I remember is all of a sudden I'm on this spacecraft and it was a small shuttlecraft where it was just me and my ET guide. Now, when he picked me up, he looked very human. He also felt very familiar to me, like I had met him before and was a friend. So I didn't have any fear around it. I remember flying through space and the spaceship looked from the inside, it looked like the walls were completely transparent, where you could fully just see out into space. So you could see the darkness, the pinpoints of the starlight, the beautiful colors of the gases going through the gas layers. And when we finally got to where we were going, I asked him where we were. He said that we were inside of Io, one of Jupiter's moons. And then he started touring me around what looked like a hospital facility. And I could see into different rooms where people were being examined, nothing scary, but everyone looked really human. So my next question to him was, are you human? Is everyone here human? He said, no, we are humanoid, but we disguise ourselves so we don't scare you because our force is really extreme. And so then my next question to him was, well, okay, why am I here? Why are we all here? And what he said was that those of us that had been chosen were being tested to see if something happened to the earth, if we could live in an environment like that or something similar. Now, this was back in 1988, where we were still in the Cold War. We were on the verge of World War III. So there was a real timeline where something really bad could have happened to the earth. And so at the end of the tour, I asked him if I could see what he really looked like. As I mentioned, I was... A science geek, I loved animals and the weirder, the better. So I didn't think that I would have any fear. (laughs) And so when he showed me his form, he was about seven feet tall, pure white skin, like chalky, kind of white, big dark eyes and long red hair. And he had what looked like triads, triangles tattooed on his cheeks. So very extreme in the form. And so I could see why that would scare some people. So then I get returned back home and I'm laying in my bed and I'm laying there thinking, okay, this is the weirdest dream I've ever had. And so for a few months, I thought it was just a dream. Fast forward though, to a few months later, I was reading Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. That book is about (laughs) Whitley's experiences of being taken by gray ETs. Now, my group was not the Greys, and there are a lot of different Grey races out there, just for your audience to know. But at the end of his book, Whitley is interviewing different people that had been taken, and all of them have the same kind of experience that he has, except for one guy has a totally different story than everyone else. And he was telling Whitley he was taken to a moon of Jupiter and told he was one of the chosen ones. And Whitley made a little side sarcastic comment saying, I hope it isn't Io. And when I read that, I had head to toe chills, tears started coming down my face. 
And so that was my body's way of telling me that was a real experience. I'm very clairsentient. And so being in the kind of household that I was, I went and told my mom, knowing she would believe me. And so then she introduced me to this guy that was part of our school that had, again, formerly been very high government. And so when I shared the story, he didn't know the race that I was talking about, but he said, there are so many races out there. We don't know all of them. Then he did say you had a real experience. Okay, that's amazing on so many levels. For me, the validation, my jaw dropped. Yeah. The names and the experience. Wow. Well, and yeah, for me, because I know that I had been with them throughout my childhood, which is why they were so familiar. But I wasn't able to remember those experiences. And oftentimes when people are taken, they have their memories cleared in a way. Although everything can be accessed when you get to those really deep subconscious levels. But it was the perfect time to have it validated. I was mature enough as a child, a teenager. I had access to someone that could validate it for me. And so what it really did was planted the seed for the work I do as a galactic ambassador now. Because really my mission and everything I do with the galactic realm is to change the fear-based narrative of the government, Hollywood, and media that's been perpetuated for decades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so true. Even now we hear about these different races and some are good and some are bad and some are disguised here on earth and they have this evil agenda. I've even spoken to people who feel that ETs are actually what we call demons and things like that. I think it just goes back to what you don't know, you automatically fear and assume is bad. Yes. So I guess that brings me to my next question. And I imagine we might spend a lot of time here because as you said, there are so many different races of ETs. What are some of the different races and perhaps characteristics that you know of? Well, so the main group that I actually work with now are the Arcturians. They have bigger, bald heads, blue skin, skinny bodies. So they look essentially like a gray alien, but they're blue skinned. And they are higher dimensional beings. So they're actually more energy than they are physical, but they just exude the most pure love I have ever felt. And they have such beautiful messages to share of love and unity. We are all connected. One of the things they remind me of and my clients regularly is all timelines exist simultaneously. And so really focus on the timeline you want to experience because we can jump timelines. We do it all the time. So anyway, so the Arcturians, they're the closest for me and they're the ones that I started channeling first. Then we have Syrians, but Syrians, there are so many different species from the Sirius star system. And so there are humanoid types and those actually came down and interacted directly with the ancient Egyptians, with the Mayans, with the Dogon tribe in Africa, and they were genetic engineers. And so actually, last year, I got to experience my life as a Syrian genetic engineer in the time of ancient Egypt. What? (laughs) Writing about. (laughs) So I got to see actually how pyramids were built in that regression. That wasn't part of my job, but it was 
for people curious, because there are a lot of theories out there about how the pyramids are built and the other megalithic structures. So it's a type of sound frequency thought levitation process. Oh, okay. So sound has a lot of power combined with thought. There's a technology there that we all have access to. That would explain how they're able to lift those large, heavy stones. Got it. Yes. I just spent two weeks in Peru where I got to see some structures that were, you know, at the very top of very high mountains, megalithic structures. And the stories that the tour guides have to share because it's part of the government mandate doesn't make any sense of them rolling it on logs up the mountains. It's like we can barely walk up the mountain, (laughs) let alone pull these megalithic stones up. Now, as I mentioned, there are different gray races. They come from all different stars in our galaxy and beyond. One of the things that I like to explain about the ones that are deemed the negative ETs versus the positive ones, it all depends on what dimension they reside in. For instance, we as humans, we reside in a third, fourth dimensional reality. And part of that is that we experience polarity. That's just part of the nature of third, fourth dimensional reality. So polarity, good, bad, negative, positive, black, white, it's a mechanism of evolution. Earth humans, we have some earth humans that are kind, compassionate, loving, service to others kind of people. And then we have some earth humans that are the complete opposite of that. And so any of the ETs that are in that third, fourth dimensional reality, they're going to experience that polarity as well. So you're going to have individuals within the race that might be service to others and other individuals that are service to self. And so you can't label them all as like, those are all the bad ones. Because it's really, it's individual, not a whole race. That makes sense. So yeah, there are some that maybe have more of a nefarious agenda, but they will only interact with those that are vibrating at the same frequency level. Oh, okay. So the more that one is raising their vibration, living from a state of joy, from love, then they're not going to have any experience with any of the lower vibration entities. That's comforting. So one of the gray races that commonly interacts with humans are actually the Zeta Reticuli. They're a gray one and they have a hybridization program that is a joint soul contract agreement with specific earth humans where they are taking the genetics from humans and the genetics from the Zetas. So the best parts of the DNA from each of the races, and they are creating an advanced spiritual race of hybrids that the Zetas can reincarnate into and the humans can reincarnate into should we choose. And so there's a lot of... I think misinformation and fear around that because some people that are part of the program, they don't remember that they signed up for that at the soul level and they feel violated like, oh my gosh, my eggs, my sperm was taken, the baby was taken from me. But when people understand it, when they are really regressed by a good regression therapist, hypnotherapist, and they understand that they agreed to it and what their role is, the fear no longer exists. So I actually have several friends that are part of this hybrid program. And some of them have even met their hybrid babies, their hybrid children. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Another very popular group that has interacted with Earth 
throughout history are the Pleiadians. They look very human. They're known as the Nordics, so they look very Scandinavian. Mm, okay. Light skin, lighter hair, light eyes, and they tend to be higher dimensional beings as well. The reptilians are a group that, like greys, people throw them into one category and say they're negative. Well, just like greys, there are many different reptilian races out there. And some are in very much higher dimensional reality and some of the most wise, loving entities you would ever meet. And then you have some, again, that are more polarized. And then one of my other favorite groups, the mantis. So basically giant bipedal praying mantis. And they are some of the most ancient and wise beings. They're master healers, master geneticists. I work a lot with the mantis as well. And there are just so many more to talk about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But basically, every star system has intelligent life. Now, whether they are travelers, not all of them are. Some don't have any desire to leave their home planet. There's just so much more life out there than mainstream scientists would ever consider. Oh, sure. So... How do the ETs fit in with other members of a soul team, like angels or spirit guides? Everyone has some connection to galactics, whether they know it or not, because we have these Earth lives, but I haven't met anyone that doesn't also have non-Earth lives, because all timelines exist. And so... Really, we have been so many different things in our different incarnations. So we can call on galactics for different purposes, just like we can call on different archangels for different purposes. The ones that I work with are only higher dimensional beings. I do not work with anything that is less than fifth dimensional reality, but most of them are sixth dimension and higher. They can give us information, just like spirit guides and angels can. They can just help us navigate life. Again, depending on what dimensional reality they are coming from, depends on where they would fit in that. Angels being really high dimensional, spirit guides maybe a little bit lower dimensional. Yeah, I see what you're saying. If I were to cross over, I died and my soul went on. Is that where I would go and say I wanted Mm -hmm. to hang out with... My star family. I can go hang out with my star family in that realm? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I believe we have a choice of what happens to us next. Yeah. And we have a whole team that helps us figure out what the next experience is going to be. (laughs) And what's interesting is that the Arcturians, they often get mistaken for angels. I could see that. So depending on what someone's paradigm is that they grew up with, if someone came from a household that Christian, Catholic, believe in angels, they're going to experience the Arcturians more as angelic energy. Whereas someone like me, coming from more of that galactic family, then I'm going to experience them as ETs. That makes sense. But really, they're just higher dimensional beings that are wise. Labels can be really interesting (laughs) and very defining, actually. Got it. Okay. So they're just part of that whole realm of what we choose to label as our teams and things like that. Yes. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. 
Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I wanted to talk to you about timelines and picking our timeline. Can you go into that a bit more? Okay, sure. So as, again, third dimensional earth humans, things here are very dense, very physical. We experience linear time, but time is relative. So actually, when you shift into those higher dimensions, there is no past, there is no future at the quantum level. All timelines exist simultaneously because everything is existing. We have the ability when we hold our focus, we hold our energy, we hold the emotion into something that we want to create, what we want to manifest. The more that we can hold that attention as if it already has happened, we immediately shift into that timeline of existence. And so there can be other people around us that are focusing on all of the fear, the negative stuff going on in the world, and they're going to experience a completely different timeline than we are that are focused on our passion, our joy, our love. So that's part of how we can shift the timelines. And so really, it's just choices that we're making and being conscious. That's so interesting. So maybe like another perspective would be like manifesting when we say, if you want something to happen, you think as if it's already happening, kind of like what you said. And what we believe as, oh, okay, well, we believed it so much and wanted it so much. Mm -hmm. It came true. Our vision board came true. But it's really, we just jump timelines. That, that is how <laughs> it's been explained to me by the extraterrestrials. But also, wow. it's what was explained to me by my spiritual teacher growing up, which was a channeled entity, a channeled ascended master. And so the information is coming from different sources that is really supporting that as evidence. Yeah. Got it. So where... In the grand scheme of these galactics, do humans fall? Well, we are related to them. We have up to 22 different ET races in our DNA. Whoa. Right? So the so-called junk DNA that science likes to say, we don't know what it does, it does nothing, it's junk. That's not true. It's just latent DNA that comes from our ET relatives. And so in evolutionary biology animals and humans, we have this concept of missing links. So we have a giant jump from anatomy and physiology of one species to another, where there's no transitional gradualism like we see in particular groups. So when we have these missing links in human evolution, those are the places when different ET visitors came down to Earth to modify the human body, to upgrade it. And the purpose of that is that as we are evolving to a fifth dimensional reality, basically ascending, we need to be able to run more energy through our bodies. We are becoming more energy rather than physical. And so we have to make these shifts in the anatomy and the physiology. We've had different groups come and tamper with us, genetically modify us. And even when they sequence the human genome, they found places, they don't like to admit this very often, but they found places where it looks like the DNA was actually spliced, where it's kinked, where that 
should not happen, like if nothing was going on. So we fit in. We are part of this greater galactic family. And so a lot of the ones that come to visit us are really our family watching over us, oh. making sure. <laughs> Where's my heart? <laughs> yeah. And so they're kind of our protectors without interfering with our free will. They are able to interfere to an extent where they have been commonly seen around like nuclear missile sites, nuclear weapons that have been shot off, that have been actually taken down by these ETs. And so they really are doing what they can to make sure we don't destroy Earth. Everything that we do here on Earth has a ripple effect out into the solar system, the galaxy, the universe. And so even if they weren't related to us, we are these dangerous toddlers, dangerous weapons, not very evolved. They're also making sure that we don't hurt their worlds. Sure. Oh, yeah, I get that completely. So 15, you had that vivid visitation in the form of a dream. Since then, was the communication pretty consistent? And what did it look like at first? And did it did it freak you out? Like, What was it like at first? So actually, most of it was in my dream state in astral traveling. Got it. Rather than physically. I think the experience when I was 15 was more physical than astral. I don't know that for sure. It doesn't matter either way because the experience is no matter what. I got shut down for a little while when I was really hardcore in my science because, again, I was trying to be so normal and fit in. And so I think things were happening, but I wasn't aware of it. And it wasn't until I left academia, I got back to my spiritual roots where we were actually learning how to do this communication with higher dimensional beings, including extraterrestrials. And so we would do these different experiments at my spiritual school that I was attending. So then I had a lot of interaction with them. They were showing up on my camera and even in front of me. But then I shut myself down again because I married a person who complete skeptic and it would turn into an argument anytime I talked about anything spiritual. So that was an interesting seven-year journey of shutting myself down. <laughs> so then when I got out of that marriage, I was like, no, I have to get back to the spiritual roots. And it was only four and a half years ago when I met my Arcturian family. So I had started my spiritual business six years ago. And a year and a half later, I took a psychic intuition class. And it was the very first night of that class where they came through. And then throughout the class, which went on for several months, other groups were coming to me. Again, I still was kind of trying to be normal because I had an interior design business that I was running. And so I could only share so much to certain people. Yeah. So it wasn't really <laughs> until I moved here to Hawaii where I could fully let it come through. I've been here for two and a half years. And so being here and just all the activity. And now I just talk to them all the time. I see them every day. I channel that sometimes they'll really want to come through and share a message either with me or just in general. And so I will feel this pressure on the back of my neck when they're like, we need to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Hawaii is known for having a lot of activity. Yes. Really? Not a lot of people know it, but mm-hmm. when we got here, my husband and I, we'd be laying out on the lanai at night in our hammock. There were so many things going on. And so then we decided to start the UFO tour business under my spiritual business. So we use advanced generation three military night vision goggles. The activity is off the charts. It is crazy how much activity we have in so many different ways that we can see through the goggles, but even with our bare eyes, just different phenomena happening. Now, one of the things that's interesting about places around the world where there are a lot of UFO sightings, dormant and active volcanoes often have a lot of UFO activity. I live on the Big Island, which has the most active volcano in the world, Kilauea. We also have a suspected underwater extraterrestrial base off the southern part of our state. And so some of the craft activity that we have heard so many stories of are transmedium craft, which are coming in and out of the water. And even some of the nighttime fishermen that go out a couple miles in the ocean for their nighttime fishing have seen massive lights coming from the ocean. And that cannot be explained by phosphorescence or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's insane. So that brings me to thinking, well, what about things like Atlantis or Lemuria? Is there a connection there? There is. So Hawaii is part of former Lemuria. Ah, I've heard of that. Yes. Yes. So Lemuria continent was said to have spanned from Easter Island to the Hawaiian Islands down through Indonesia, Micronesia to New Zealand. Mm, Wow. They have even incorporated parts of Australia. But so we have all of these islands are the remnant mountaintops of Lemuria. Some people say Lemuria sunk. You could say the ocean rose, whichever way. We end up getting these islands. And the Lemurian people were actually being taught directly by the Pleiadians. So they were a highly spiritually advanced culture, not a lot of technology. So all of these Pacific Rim countries, also including Japan, have this really beautiful mythology, we'll call it, of coming directly from the Pleiadian star people. And so a lot of the visitors that we have here in Hawaii are Pleiadian. Back March 7th of this year, I got a really incredible craft that I was able to talk to and I photographed it, I videoed it. Later, I got confirmation it was the Pleiadians. Actually, the next day, I was channeling the Pleiadians for one of my galactic sessions. And we also had these spaceship clouds, lenticular clouds around our island that started at 5.30 in the morning on March 8th, stayed until 10.30 p.m. at night, not moving. All the other clouds are moving. But these full-on spaceship clouds just stayed around our mountains That does not happen in Hawaii. We don't get those kind of clouds. They're very common where I came from in Olympia around, you know, the Cascade Mountains, Mount Rainier, down to Shasta, but not here. (laughs) So what are those cloud ships? It's just their ships look like clouds? They're ships that are hiding in clouds. Oh, they created the clouds themselves? Yeah. And so they're clouds that literally look like a spacecraft. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you say a lot of activity that people can see and mention like the lights and things, but what are some examples of activity that you guys pick up on on these tours? Well, so a lot of the behavior 
it starts looking like what a satellite might look like, which is a glowing light moving across the sky, but then they'll do something that a satellite cannot do. Satellites, just for anyone who can visibly sometimes see satellites that are low enough, within the first couple hours of sunset and before sunrise, the sun is reflecting off of the metallic surface of the satellite, but creates a glowing light. Satellites are perpetually orbiting Earth, and they go about 17,000 miles per hour. When they're going across the sky, they don't look very fast, but they will have a consistent glow, and they have to stay on the same trajectory. They cannot change direction or speed, and they will only start dimming out when they reach the horizon. Okay, that makes sense. So when you are watching the night sky, sometimes you'll see these glowing objects that will maybe disappear in the middle of the sky, in the upper, where a satellite, you would still see it. Sure. So and you think no clouds, just clear sky. So it'll disappear. We see that time and time again, and often craft disappearing out the same part of the sky. I think that those are portals that they're able to shift in and out of direction. We also see objects that will glow and then they'll get really, really bright and then really dim and then really bright again. We call those power-ups. So satellites don't do that. We also see random blinking lights that are jumping around. You know it's not an airplane if the blinking is random. Airplanes at night are required to have white blinking anti-collision lights. Yes. And that blinking pattern is very rhythmic. It does not change pattern or rhythm. And so if you're seeing blinking that's just going really crazy or doing something really weird, you know that is not an airplane. And satellites don't blink. Yeah, we see things change direction, do zigzag movements, do wobbles. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. What if somebody wanted to start to connect to their own galactic guide? What are some steps to do so? Well, actually, I have a free 20-minute meditative oh. journey on my website <laughs> okay. that guides people to meet their galactic family and guide. Ooh. So that would be a good place to start just to download that meditation. If it doesn't work the first time, keep doing it. Let it come in. And you might meet different guides each time as well. I have had repeat clients that have come on my tour where that's one of the things we do on the tour as well. One of my clients, she has met probably five or six different galactic guides just doing this journey multiple times. Really, intention is everything. The first thing that people, and this is part of the meditation, you want to raise your vibration. You want to get centered and you want to raise your vibration. So you're only calling in things that are coming from a place of love. Mm. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you are having a bad day, you might get something that you might have a little more fear around. What's really interesting, though, is that I've had a couple people come on the tour who had a preconceived notion about a gray or reptilian. And when they do the journey, that's who shows up for them. And the messages are kind of funny sometimes. So this one guy, I explained, not all reptilians are bad. So this reptilian came into his journey And the message that he got was, you better check yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not bad. Oh, I wonder if they just get tired of having to defend themselves. (laughs) Some of them probably do. (laughs) From the few bad apples. (laughs) And the thing that I continuously get gratitude from them for really 
helping people to understand them from that higher perspective. I love that. Can you give a little list of some clues that somebody may have lived? uh, Well, you said everybody has lived at some point on a different planet other than Earth. Mm -hmm. What are some of the clues that somebody can say, oh, I think I might be from this particular planet? Well, okay. So there are some people out there that will like to tell you, well, you, Laura, are Pleiadian or you are vegan. I don't like to do that because, again, we are so many things and I don't like labeling or categorizing because then I think it closes you off to all the other things that you are. When I first met the Arcturians and their message to me was, you are one of us, we are one of you, we are family. I thought, okay, I'm just Arcturian. But then the more that I was having my own regressions done on me and really connecting with these other groups, I realized, okay, that's just that entry group. That was the one to bridge me to all my other realities. Got it. Hopefully that makes sense. That does make sense. Okay, so let me ask it this way, then maybe more general. What are some clues in somebody's life that will help them to see that they are also from the stars? For instance, Uh somebody who finds that they're always looking up at the stars at night and maybe feel like home or something. Yeah, that's a very common thing for people who are definitely potentially star seeds. So, and again, that Mm. term star seed, it can mean some different things to different people. (laughs) But (laughs) those who don't feel at home on earth, maybe they don't feel at home in their own earth families. They are just always looking at the night sky, kind of obsessed with it. Actually, one of the ways that they communicate is through sound, through toning. And so you may hear like a ringing in your ear or get other messages and it's not tinnitus. Yeah. So there are different things that one can experience. And even we have all the information inside of it, all the wisdom we can access. And so one can simply just tune into their body and ask am I from somewhere else? And however you get to your yes, you can use your body pendulum and external pendulum, whatever human design and authority you have. (laughs) There are different ways to get to your answers. Okay. I love that. It's interesting because similar signs, similar things besides looking up at the stars and things like that, but like the tonal stuff that you're mentioning, that's not tinnitus, but the tonal sounds, because I get that. And I think my spirit guides. I've talked to other people who say spirit guides, but it sounds like it's just another means of using our physical faculties to be able to communicate with us. And perhaps intuition is, or intention, like you had mentioned, will help us to determine if we really wanted to know, quote unquote, who it was from, then we can maybe use that to determine who's sending us those messages, but perhaps they just use the same faculties. Well, I think they do because we're really limited in our human senses. Sure. And so they're going to come whatever way that we can respond to. Yeah. Even with the tones, it's like you can't necessarily interpret what that message is. You just know that you're getting information. You're getting a download, yes. let's say. Yeah. And sometimes it will come with a feeling coming through your crown chakra. But really, you just said, and I said before, intention is everything. If there's a particular group that someone is like, oh, I just really feel called to that group, 
whether it's the Pleiadians or the Arcturians, then there is no right or wrong in this. If you're called to something, that is part of you. Wonderful. Well, we have all your information in the show notes so people can start there if they wanted to explore this further. But I was wondering, Lisa, to help wrap up this amazing interview, if there was a message from the Galactics to share with the listener for the time that they hear this episode. Yes. So what the Arcturians want everyone to understand, especially from the higher perspective, is that we really are all connected. We are all one. Separation is only a figment of this earth reality. It's not truth. And so when we understand this and we're coming from a true place of love, we can accept others for the differences they have and get beyond our judgment of other people and the experiences that they're having. Because we're all on our own individual journeys, ultimately feeding back to source. There is no right or wrong, period. There just is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your knowledge with us and your journey so far. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Guided West. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.